The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Oh, gosh. All right. Mm. We are live. We being Todd Zola, not Jeff Erickson. Jeff is with the family in Hawaii on a family trip, partially uh, celebrating daughter's graduation and just good good to get away good for jeff in between baseball and football to get away for a little bit and the industry guest is none other than tristan h cockcroft from espn uh friend colleague confidant all that kind of stuff welcome aboard mr cockcroft the h is for hawaii gosh oh, why man. can't i be there too <laughs> good for jeff you know good, good oh for i jeff. know Good for Jeff. Many congrats to Jeff. That's that's cool. I'm always yeah. happy to hear about that. Graduations is that time of year. And oh, it's time. It's like nearly the halfway point of the baseball season, too. <laughs> yeah. And for you and Jeff, it's I mean, you're never it's never not football season. I don't know exactly. how you guys do yep. it. I mean, Mock I draft on Monday, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Which I dabble. Funny. I mean, I write some stuff for ESPN without without bylines. I do some stuff, but I don't prepare until closer to the season. So I don't, I don't know how you guys do it. It's 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 well, it's just part of your job, you know. It's it is what you do. So lots um, of spreadsheets. Yep, yep. Now I I, I want to right from the beginning. Um, it was not a requisite, okay, to have you come on, but at any point, if you feel like breaking out in song, I'm not going to stop you. I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm not going to join you either, but I'm not going to stop you. So okay. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll see if a tune strikes me. Yeah. Well, you know, you never. I should have got. I should have. I should have had Ek come on as a surprise guest, but I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> he's. I hear he's off in Hawaii too this week. Is he though? Okay. Good for him. Good for him. I don't know uh, if he's literally there. I just know he's off. All right. Good. Well. Good. Good for him. I usually. I usually cover for him when he's off for a piece. So Aj must have someone else doing that, and they'll be covering for you in a little bit. But um. But anyway. All right. So. Um. I wanted to, as we talked about a little bit off air, I've been curious about a couple of things more. I mean, we're not going to help anybody win their finished league in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm kind of curious. I don't know. Maybe we will, depending where the conversation goes. But um, we're now two and a half months into the new rules, pitch clock, shift, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. MLB is claiming victory. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. I think it's premature. Uh, but how, from a fan's viewpoint and from an analyst, how are you around with the, with the changes, with the faster games, with the, uh, how, where, 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 you know, what's your opinion with all that? I like it, but I hesitate to say like, or positive things, considering I feel like everybody's almost got this conditioned mindset to say that so right no i think it's a dangerous thing to do and you and i will probably get a little bit into that in a minute but i i do enjoy the pace uh it's i feel a definite difference watching games Uh, it it was I, i i'm realizing in retrospect that in my mind it was getting to be a little bit of a drag right so having the pitch clock has not been as bothersome as i expected uh, it's not causing the number of offenses that I feared and really disrupting the game. I think the things that I wasn't prepared for were as a writer. And I don't know how Todd, you, you feel about this. You pr- probably are in a similar spot. 
I used to do an awful lot of work during games and between pitches. And it's much harder to do that this year, because if I do, I miss something. And therefore I have to sit and pause, watch, and that distracts me from what I'm researching or writing. So that's been a little bit of a change. And from a, a live attendee standpoint, or even just at home, I know I, even, even just from chatting with friends and colleagues about this who are watching simply from home, the breaks when you are going to get a snack or something to drink or hit, just hit the bathroom. Right. It, it actually is a, you need a strategy for that now. And, and the part in which for the fans, so, I mean, and, and I shouldn't speak on the fans behalf, but I, I need to, it's just that it's tougher to go get concessions during a game now. Yeah, we got MLB brought it upon himself. The players did. I'm pretty much with you with a couple of maybe I'm getting old exceptions. Um, I didn't dig deep. Let's hear it. Let's hear oh, it. No, I'm, oh, I, I've already I, I've shared it with Spore and, and with with Zinke on on Tuesday night. But to me, it's still a little forced. I and MLB brought it upon themselves with the shenanigans in between pitches, both batting and hitting. So we need something. But it's still, to me, a little bit forced. And well, just to, before I forget, to address what you're saying as far as work in between pitches, I think we've joked about this off, off air. One thing it's done for me anyway is games are over an hour, hour and a half earlier than they used to be. I'm able to dump, my, dump the completed stats in on my spreadsheets the previous night and not do it in the morning. So, you know, yep. pick up an hour, et cetera. So from that point of view, I kind of like it. it. It gets me to doing my work an hour earlier. Um, but as, as far as working at night, now this is you know you've got I've got a, got a, I've got a few I got several years on you, my friend. As you get older, you get less productive at night. And I'm in oh, that. I know it at my age. <laughs> I know it at my age too. I uh, I so I I do work and and when I have a deadline, the adrenaline kicks in and I get it done. But I just I do less casual work, and I'm doing more of the updating uh, playing time and transactions than I am actually writing an article. Maybe pulling data for a piece, but not actually thinking about the data. So it's more you know tedious work than it is thinking work. But anyway, but I do I you know I do you know I I rather I used to watch games till one thirty. Yeah, five years ago, I used to watch the standings till 1.30 because my teams were doing good. But now I don't have to worry about that anymore. But um, the, uh, the, the, the thing that, and this is what I was sort of alluding to earlier, is I think to, to, to claim a victory on MLB's part, oh, it's faster, more action, all that kind of stuff. We have yet to find out what happens over accumulation of months with the faster pitch clock. We we do, will will arms get tighter as the as the weather warms? Will it start to kick in as the innings mount? Are we going to continue to see the level of play that we're seeing right now? I'm not convinced we are. I don't think anybody. I mean, you could, it's all speculation. I just don't. I think I don't think we are. Therefore, I don't think we can judge yet the efficacy of what they're doing because we don't know how it's going to be over the full season. And I I admit I'm a little concerned over what we may see in the next three and a half months. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly on that. That is a great point to make. And I'd liken it to, and I mean, you, you probably saw this. I, I wrote a piece just a couple of weeks ago about what pitching workloads are turning into. Yeah. Considering we're still not fully out of the COVID era. Right. And that was 2020 when that started and we're three years later. It takes time and you and I are very big on having samples be <laughs> significant enough to matter. It hasn't really gotten to that point. And you know, just as, as a guy sitting on the couch watching games and seeing a commercial during the Major League Baseball game, it's great when Brian Cranston is trying to tell me that you know things are wonderful and the game is it's been won. I mean, it's like a victory lap. It's like the fantasy writers writing, you know, giving the victory lap. It's the equivalent. I mean, I'd love to see what he says if he's sitting down on my couch and having a beer with me, which by the way, now he can get through the eighth inning. I hear, uh, I, I, yeah, you're right. It's not quite there yet. And, and I, I'm, I hadn't thought of that. I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, I'd like to see how this plays out in, especially in September, for example, September is a very different beast for fantasy. And you know, yeah. with so many of the games going to head to head formats, 
it's really going to matter if fatigue becomes a problem in September. It's going to make that process more challenging and potentially less fun. Yeah, and I we will talk a little bit later about a head-to-head league that we're in. It's going to be one of my – no, not my first, but it's been a while since I've been playing in a head-to-head league where all that that those things sort of matter. But um, it's just I, – I, I don't know if we need to load up on innings now because they may not be so good later. You know, that, that, that from a fantasy point of view, I don't know what the actionable advice is at this point because we don't know what it's going to be. But I know you don't change a rule because of one instance. We'll, we'll, we'll call it Alec Manoa. I know that you, you don't knee jerk for one player who apparently can't adjust as well as the others to the rule, but I'm wondering if, all right, we're leaving, but two and a half hours a game now, is that about, about where we are? Two minutes, 40 seconds. And it's two thirty-seven on nine inning games. Enter all right. Game. So I, I think we can add an extra 10 to 15 minutes without taking away too much of the victory lap. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, a 10 to 15 minutes seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. So my back of the envelope math is, 150 pitches, 300 pitches a game, three more seconds on the clock is 900 seconds, and that's 15 minutes. And there's more, there's fewer than 300 pitches in most games, and not everybody's going to add the full three seconds. However, I wonder if that if those three seconds would be useful for the Alec Manoas and maybe some of these other pitchers who just, I don't know if Lance Lynn's in that crowd or not, uh, but some of the other pitchers that may not be adjusting as well. Because you don't have to start at zero or five, right? It's electronic. Mm-hmm. You can start on three or eight. You know what else the three seconds does? I don't know about your broadcast, but it allows the broadcast to get back before the first pitch is thrown. Yeah. Nesson is terrible. I don't know how much you catch on Nesson. But, I mean, I've missed more first pitches on Nesson. It's, it's one less call from Dave O'Brien, which I'm good with. <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's frustrating, you know. To This is a professional outlet. you got to, you know. Cut the ad down if you have to, you know, <laughs> get back on time. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, at no, least my announcer's not getting hit in the face with a foul yeah. ball. <laughs> it's a fair point. I, and and it, it's always driven me crazy when a broadca- broadcast comes back and misses something. I mean, I've, I've always yeah. said, I'm like, I don't really care. You know, you guys figure out the commercials and how you get that all timed and get it all solved. Yeah. But if I miss a, if I miss a pitch, I've got a problem here. You know, I'm, I like the, the, the adding a couple seconds suggestion. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with it as is, but you know, I'm one of those guys who rants against the extra inning approach, which I, I still yeah. Yeah. cannot stand. By the way, I just gave you those numbers. That's three extra minutes for extra inning games on average, three minutes. So, so it's, it's just such a drain to have to sit there in a stadium for a 14 inning game. I mean, what, what would that be with, with the current pitch clock? I mean, an extra 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they go pretty quick. They do. They do. I mean, actually this past week, we had a couple of a 12 and a 14 inning game, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, I, to, the, to go that long. The Rangers and angels game the other day where, uh, where Taylor, where uh, Taylor Ward had to play first base. I'm watching that game and thinking I'd love to see this play out for another five innings. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. My complaint with the extra innings is, I mean, you watch this hard-fought game, two to two, three to three, sometimes zero zero, mm-hmm. and it, you're on the you know. I think are they going to bunt? I, I don't want to. Are they going to bunt? But how are they? What are they going to do? And mm-hmm. all right, the strategy: you do you bunt? Do you not bunt in the tenth inning? But I just kind of kind of want to have them earn it. I want to earn the win. I don't want to. What what are the announcers saying now? It's it's well you you the home team is pretty much conceding one run. Is can they score two on their own? Can they score two? I mean, it's just I don't know. I just yeah. uh, that's the one part I don't like. No, I I, I agree with you. What what if it's a zero zero game going in extra innings? It changes the entire momentum of what it might have been a pitching right. oriented game yeah. to have runners on. I mean, you know, all of a sudden you could go from nothing nothing to a three two final score. And and Todd, you know it. My I've said my concern, and I'd love an answer to this. What's going to happen the day we get the perfect game that goes into the bottom of the tenth inning, and that runner on second <laughs> scores with two outs on a sack bunt and a sack fly? What happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it could be the Red Sox in just a while. Oh, the Red Sox never had the perfect game at that point. But yeah, just a wild pitch scoring on scoring from second. But yeah. no, I just, I yeah, I I don't know. I just I'm not going to equate it to another sport. But you know, start at the twenty yard line. I just I think 
let's let's earn the run. And I know mm-hmm. it messes up the bullpens, all that sort of thing. And part of it is to prevent injuries. And this carries over to the COVID when you weren't able to bring up players as quickly or maybe they didn't even have a farm system to bring them from yep. for, for a certain amount of time. But I think it was just one of those repercussions where it worked during COVID. Yeah, let's just keep it. I don't know. I just wish that wasn't uh... – Even then, they still have the reserve list. Yeah, they don't do. They... Because I've seen starting pitchers have been thrown on there, and I'm still seeing some of these guys who take one for the team in relief, and they get sent down the next day. That's happening yeah. still pretty frequently. Right. It should. It, you, you should be able to. And I guess in retrospect, I, I wish he had thrown – I wish he used A.J. Minter more than for two hitters. Well, you don't know at the time it's going to go to extras, but even so. And not every team could have their – they're Tim Wakefield to throw out there and just throw knucklers <laughs> up for, for four innings and hope that the team scores some runs in the interim. But uh, uh, fond memories of Mr. Wakefield. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, it just, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. Well, with one of, one of the boons, right. It was an Aaron, Aaron. Yeah. Took him deep yeah. in that, in that, in that game there. But um, I just, from fantasy point of view, I am kind of, do I, what, how do I handle pitching now? Cause Aren't runs going to go up because they always go up as the as the weather? Don't you? You kind of want to bank mm-hmm. some innings now. Yep. But then, you know, be the scientist. Now the whole, in the we've seen it a couple times. We got this whole sticky stuff thing, which going on in the background too, and we just don't really know. There's too many variables to be able to the two of us to sit down and say, "Do this, friends. This is how you manage your team," because it could completely backfire. I think. Yeah. I, as a guy who had Max Scherzer during that period of time, I had uh, to keep him active. I, I certainly hear you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's weird, you know, but you know, it gives us something to talk about and do in the off season. But as I just kind of alluded to cause and effect, you know, we're going to sit down and look at some numbers. Well, this happened, but you're going to say, well, was it because of this or that? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, I don't know, <laughs> you know, but yet we're going to have to figure out what, you know, what we want to do with it. So it's just one of those. And who knows if they throw in the robo ones. That's oh, going to be another, yeah. you know, another complete, another complete. Uh, I anticipate uh, that is coming. I, I think it's going to take some time, but I anticipate it's coming at some point. I like the challenge system mm-hmm. um, because it still keeps catching kind of close to where it is now. Cause you still, the, the fact that, that, that framing irks the heck out of me, the fact that it works, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we can, is it like flopping in basketball and soccer? I don't think I don't think it's quite to that degree, but the mere fact that it works bugs me. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be as the ball crosses the plate, as you know, not when it gets to the mitt. But I'm a scientist, and I kind of remember some biology and the, the way synapses work and the brain works. I can I, it, you can't control being fooled some of the time. Although it was last night, uh, who was it? Jake Rogers to one of the doubleheaded the afternoon games. He tried to frame a pitch that bounced. <laughs> and I, I mean, I literally, that's what I did. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm alone in my house with nobody here, and I laughed like I was at a George Carlin comedy show. Oh, you know, I mean, it literally, it's just, it's just the, that the, the natural reaction is to bring yeah. everything in the middle. I just drives me nuts. But um, yep, that'll be a major adjustment for catchers if we get to that point. Where we'll have plenty of content to write then. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's why I hope this challenge system stays because at least you still have to present the ball and you can't just get into a position to throw a guy out or forget about running and just make sure you block everything. The catcher still has to be, you know, take care of all three things, catching the ball, throwing at the ball and um, uh, preventing pass balls, et cetera. This is something that I know. And I'm just, it's a question out of completely out of the blue, but I'm thinking about stolen bases. Mm -hmm. I don't know if catchers are doing this on purpose or if it's just the way the ball goes but i'm seeing more throws up the line and uh base runners being tagged out in the butt or you know their legs before they get to the bag and to me it makes sense because the throw is a little bit shorter Mm -hmm. the base runner can't evade the tag as Mm -hmm. well and that replay can catch when the umpire misses it so I wonder if it's just a, a right-handed ball, a right-handed throw will naturally tail the right field a little bit. So I wonder if it's a natural tail or if catchers are being schooled now to throw a couple of feet off the bag and not put the ball on the bag. Hmm. I don't know, it's just one of those 
when I don't have a kid asking me to take them, you know, take them to, to the movies, I like you may <laughs> like you may have. I have this spare time to uh, to, to think about such things. But anyway, just one of those weird things. I that like I, that. Yeah. I like that thought because I think the mind immediately goes to, oh, look at how much larger the base is. The base stealer has such an advantage because now they can mess around with trying to evade the tag. Yeah. They're probably much smarter people than us because it seems there always are in baseball thinking about that for catchers. That's yeah, it's tough to evade a tag with your lower body. You know, you see yep. all the, the swim moves that are successful because mm -hmm. of the uh, of the of the replay. So anyway, so we'll talk we'll bring it to a little bit more towards uh, uh, general fantasy. And that is we both well, you one of the one of your duties with ESPN is putting out points leagues rankings. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, no, I don't think, I know, that people don't realize, what was it about 75%? The last time we had a summit and uh, we, we heard the numbers, 75% of fantasy sport, fantasy baseball is points with the majority of that being head to head. Is, are those numbers still pretty much accurate? I, I believe At it's least close ESPN, to that, yeah. On the ESPN platform. Yeah, back back when we when when people got to to get together and meet pre-COVID, way way back when in the olden days, uh, it was a, almost an even one third split. I mean that that might have been ten years ago where you had a third that were playing our standard head to head points league, a third that were playing points for the year, which still frankly is my favorite. Um, these days, which yeah, shift from Roto, and then the third was playing the the old school Roto. It it's become much fewer in Roto and a lot more in the head to head points. They've come out of this bucket and they moved up to here. Want to talk more about this? But first, let's pause briefly for a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're back. And as Tristan and I teased before the little break there, 
Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about some some points. So we mentioned the the larger proportion of, of, of people that play the head-to-head and play points. Now, it might the, the people that are willing to pay for information for someone like Rotowire or ESPN Insider may tend more towards the rotisserie players. But the, we have to just, I think we have to keep in mind that the casual player is more likely to enter via the points realm. And if we can convert them, I don't want to convert, but move them to play Roto, that's great. But I, I don't, I don't demean anybody. Anybody wants to play this game is good for me. Right. Good for you. Keeps our jobs. Without question. It's the challenge I've been issuing to everybody, all of us, you, me, players, people in our industry, is we should be trying different things. Mm-hmm. Baseball itself, Major League Baseball is trying different things. We should be on board with trying new things. You learn new things by playing different formats. You gain new insights to players and their abilities by playing different formats. That's what I most appreciate about what we did to change the game this year is that it has made me think much more on a standpoint of individual day-by-day matchups and how my strategy for a team comes into play with that. Just a whole different different kind of insight. And because there are people who grasp to that, they've been used to perhaps fantasy football, and they want to come in and have the thrill of having just a weekly matchup and a win or a loss at the end that they can bust chops on their friends with. I've got a family league like this where yeah. – uh, where, where a, a cousin once removed is loves to tell me anytime he beats me, he gets a real thrill out of it. You know, we're bringing in new people by doing that. And they are in turn going to then try other things, including the games that we love so much. They're going to become hardcore players. A lot of them who will adapt to Roto and become diehard Roto players. Right. That's, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if it's a challenge for us. I don't, cause I don't think it's a challenge. I don't, I mean, I don't think we have to do it, but I think for some people, they may feel it's a challenge because it's necessary, but I'm not so sure it is. It's it's more that we we think, you and I, and, and many people out there, especially in the industry, we think so deeply about players. We're, we're, we're breaking down, you know, AL and NL only 12-team leagues with, with, you know, extra categories. Sometimes you need to just think about the game on its most basic level. Today, who do I need to play? It doesn't matter who the player is. What's the best matchup? Right, I mean it's it's Thursday, so there are, are spots in a in a lineup, natural spots. There's I think ten games today. I'm in a head-to-head uh, matchup with our editor, you know, AJ Mass in the ESPN league, and it's tight. And the winner has a heads up to make the playoffs in our league. There's still several weeks left, but I mean, we're we're both grinding out this week. I dropped Kristen Yelich and Bailey Ober, and I was shaking as I was doing it. Mm-hmm. But in a 10-team mixed league with the truncated lineups like the ESPN has, that's what you do. Yeah. And it's a compl- it's, it took me a little bit to do it. But now I really you know if I don't get Bailey Ober next week when I need him, I'll get someone in that realm with a decent matchup and I'll get my 12 starts. It's just a – and it's – I can play a couple leagues on this on this daily basis. I couldn't do more than a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, as those in my Otno league know and are mad at me right now, um, which I I, I, I apologize, uh, not being a good Otno owner. I love the I love the format. I just don't have the bandwidth uh, to handle it, and probably will be letting someone else take those teams that are more willing to play next year. Uh, but anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there. But um, this ESPN league that you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it. We change, uh, we, I say we, but uh, ESPN changed the scoring in the offseason. Not dramatically, a little bit, but but adding some important things to it. Yeah, and they, they shortened the active lineup to be a lot closer to Yahoo's mm-hmm. uh, for people that may be familiar. Um, they added the holds is what we're, what we're kind of you know, slight, not, you know, kind of getting at without so much as who's going to say it first. Uh, they yeah. added the holds. But and one of the things we've done with our, our daily notes, our need to know, is we're kind of tag teaming to figure out what relievers are useful on that day because holds now count. And I know I'm writing 15, 20 minutes a day. I, I don't I don't know if anybody else in the country is using my notes, but I know I am. So that's all right. I'll do it. I'm I'm picking up I picked up AJ Minter yesterday because of it. And 
got the save and now he's got a good weekend coming up. I forget what team they're playing the, the Braves, but it's a good matchup. So uh, I'm following. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I'm following my, you know, I don't, you know, with all the millions of readers, if they're not following it, I am, which is all I care about. I'm doing it. So I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's it kind of speaks to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, practice, get to know what you're talking about. And I think, I think we're both learning a little something from this league strategy wise. What do I do on Mondays? What do I do on Sundays? Cause it's not always the same. Yeah. And, and, having something like that where we're just kind of looking at the micro of things with relief pitchers and which ones are tired and which ones are available on a given day. Maybe this year that's maybe this year people aren't exploiting that part of the game. I I mean, it used to be in ESPN leagues when it was 10 team with full lineups and nine pitching spots that you could just take practically all relievers stream around them and build a pitching staff. And I will tell you, it has definitely changed that that's not as successful. You and I both noticed this. It's not quite the same as it was in the past. And even if this year people don't appreciate the depths to which we go to determine which relievers are available or tired, maybe next year or the year after, as they get used to this game, they're going to gain some sort of great advantage. I will say, though, this year, I think it's easier than you may be used to in previous years because we've reduced the lineup to seven active pitchers. Yes. Which gives you more starting. Because I, I I'm, I'm able to keep the relievers and get close to my 12 starts. I don't, I don't think I've hit 12 every week, 12 being the, the maximum that yep. we're allowed in the game. Um, yep. I know I've been burned twice by being behind on Sunday and picking up, let's just call him uh, Brady Singer one time. And having him give me negative points, I think that I think I lost to EK. I think I lost to Eric that week. Uh, but or is that the Cardi week? That was the Cardi week. I lost to Derek. Oh that yeah. Week. And uh, what what I lost to Eric when we were going head to head was uh, Miguel Castro. Um, yeah. I didn't even need the save, but the fact he didn't get it and he got blown up uh, brought me to the negative, and I ended up losing to Eric, who's in first place in my little division there. Yep. This, I mean, I, I, I wrote I wrote about this this week. Is this is this overthinking in that um, have a have a Sunday night pitcher who's probably not going to start or pitch, and if it gets to be the four o'clock games and you're ahead and you got a pitcher going, even if it's a reliever, throw in that Sunday night guy. Mm-hmm. So he literally take a zero from that spot, not a negative. I mean, I I did do that actually. So in the ESPN game, the the advantage of you can actually physically bench the player and leave the blank spot. I did this this past week with Brian oh, Bayo. Okay, but but the matchup didn't match. Uh, I think I was playing Cardi this. I think that's who my <laughs> opponent was this past week. I had Bayo, and I was going to pull him if it was too close. Okay, so I didn't realize you could leave the space. I don't like that, that you can actually leave. I don't either, but but it's... it's it, it is what it is, yeah. <laughs> also, actually, in the current game, I understand it much more. I, I, I think there is something to be said in a more shallow context, even to punt your catcher. Do you want to try that and load up somewhere else, like extra pitchers? I don't think it's a good idea. I don't advise it, but it's something to try. Yeah, I still like the draft Will Smith and... And 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 mm-hmm. be, and then just let him sit there and, and go and do yep. the rest route, and that, that's worked out pretty well so far. But um, yeah, yeah, I just um, it's it, we, you know we're getting some comments. Roto's boring. This that the other thing. I don't. Roto me is not boring. Uh, me, stat management over the course of the season, the thrill of winning a Roto league down the stretch, I think is. Is it more exhilarating? I don't know, but it's pretty darn cool. Cool to pull, pull you know, take down a roto league, you know, a, a close league down the stretch by half a point or whatever. So I don't, I'm not going to go as far as roto is boring. Yeah. I think I've got a retort to that one. Okay, retort. I've so I've got an you, you know, it's the weird nine team NL only league. This is the local one. You've 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 met these guys. I've currently got a 16 and a half point lead in that, in that league that does get boring over the course of the summer for people who are not diehard players who want to just break down every little ingredient of the game. I understand why they call it quote boring, 
But when you are in a league where, and I've seen this a lot in these, first place has 54 and last place has 45, that is anything but boring because every little play matters. And Todd, as you were saying, as we're playing down to the end of the year, I mean, you remember the Larry Schechter and I AL only league where Jeffrey Marte homers on the last day in the final game and like the last inning and that decided it, that is anything but boring. Um, I mean, this, you know, name dropping time. Um, not everybody in the listening audience will know the name Lindy Hinkleman, but uh, if you play the NFBC, you do. And I think Lindy's still not talking to me. Because this is how long ago, when I say what the occurrence, this is how long ago it was. There was a 163rd game where Rick Porcello was on the mound, and I needed seven strikeouts from Porcello. And it, it was only to, like, tie Lindy for third place. But he's still nope. mad that I got it and and didn't get him third place alone. I, he's not mad. I mean, I'm just being silly. But that's 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 the, uh, the, the 163rd game. is. Uh, so I still suspect – that Eric is Eric Carroll is mad at me for the Tony Womack gets a hit off of whoever that Red Sox closer at the end of the year in a non-save situation gives up that single up the middle to Tony Womack on the Yankees and that decided the league. <laughs> it, it happens. So I mean, there's there's you know again there's like you said there's points leagues that are runaways or it's just clear cut even head to head. It, it just goes both ways and it just it mm-hmm. depends what you want to do. Um, there's you know. Football, you know, is the, you know, or had is the luck aspect worse than the excitement? No, it, it, it different strokes. And I think part of how we handle it is we play them both. Yep. So it, maybe that's a, I don't want to see what word cop out, but you know, we, we can, we, we, we do, we play them both. So um, you kind of said, I think we're different here. You, if you could do one league, I think it would, you, you've said before, it'd be your points league, your hometown points league. Yep. You got a window into this league this year. This, this is the, it's usually 14 or 15 teams, relatively traditional rosters, a little bit shrunken down, kind of like the previous ESPN standard. But the difference we have between our main game is we don't penalize for strikeouts. So it gets wild and wacky on offense. You definitely want to load up on games. That's it's long been my favorite. I've been in that league 26 years or 27. Now I think it's 26 years. Wow. Yeah. How's my not team drafted? Uh, how's my team? How's my not team doing? So you, yeah, and it was named. Uh, what was it? Todd, Todd, like Todd's the best, or or like Todd knows all, and it's like, well, Todd tried is the name of the team. <laughs> that team okay. and mine have been struck with the worst luck I think I've ever seen in the history of the league. Okay, I've, I've plummeted about a thousand points over the past three four weeks, and so is that one. No, I, I um, a name you'll remember. I I've drafted a few football teams for none other than Jason Gray, and uh, a couple of the teams have ended up being called Todd's Fall. Uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, a, a couple of the other the ones that maybe you know some some championship type teams. He Jason may have another name there, but uh, anyway, uh, so it goes with the territory. Speaking of speaking of Jason, that's I I was who was I Tom. A buddy of mine, I was just uh, wasn't a, he's not in the industry. We we're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, mm-hmm. and I this I don't know if this is dumb analogy if it's spot on. They remind me of a Bill Belichick coach Patriots team. They are just ready. Yeah, cheat. No, uh, they are just ready. <laughs> they are ready for every scenario, be it at the bat and defense, throwing to the right base taking an extra base, watching a relaying man overthrow his, you know, the cutoff man. And, you know, they just, they are prepared for every situation and they seem to take advantage of it. That's just such a well-coached team to me. I'm sure you, you get to see them when they play the Yankees. I'm sure you watch them as well. But I mean, have you, I don't, I haven't seen another team quite like them in my too many years of watching baseball. I don't think I have either, not to the extent to which they've done this. I mean, since 2008, it might've been 07, but 08, they've been something else. I think they're, they're third in wins since the beginning of 2008, which is extraordinary considering who's been on the roster and how many players they've let go. They've almost got that Montreal Expo as all of our stars have gotten away because of contractual concerns, but it didn't matter. We had somebody great to just slide right in. You've never heard of them, but they're going to be awesome. I like the comp. 
Other than the fact that, you know, they're not as Bill Belichick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, 2008, what happened with the Rays around 2000? Nah, I couldn't. Could it be a coincidence? That's, yeah, I just, I yeah, wonder. For the, <laughs> for I our, wonder. We're, being a little, we're being a little coy, and that's, that's when our friend Jason became a scout, or around when he became a scout. I think it was a couple of years later, but it was in that ratio that Jason left ESPN, uh, left the Hall of Fame writing career at ESPN, yeah. and nice. uh, became a scout for the Rays, and to this day is, uh, is still, and hopefully this is the year that, he tells me he's got the ring. He has to figure out how to pay the taxes on it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is testament to the Rays being brilliant with extracting the most from pitchers. It's the yeah. thing I respect most about that organization is they really know pitching. They think deeply about it at every level. He is representative of that as any. Right. And whenever whenever the Rays acquire a major league throw-in relief arm, you immediately you go. I mean, I'm going to their pay. I'm going to the baseball reference. I'm going to fan graphs. It's like, why the Rays want him? What do they see? What do they see in Garrett Clevenger? What do they see in some of these guys? Because they must see something. Sometimes it's just a healthy arm. Uh, but was it Erasmo Ramirez they just signed or something like that? No, yeah, they did. They just signed Erasmo Ramirez. So there you go. He's the next star. Right. And I haven't, yeah, I have to update some playing time this week, but uh, man, it's a lot of injuries to update. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like doing our update this week, but uh, yeah, too many, too many injuries again. Yuan uh, Mancada went on the IL today, which we were saying off air is kind of, you know, we we can begin every podcast with that. It seems like anyway, <laughs> but um, I wonder if that's gonna accelerate the White Sox potentially being sellers. Um, can you imagine dealing Liam Hendricks if he if he turns out to be healthy after all he's been through? Yeah, I. Honestly, I can't see that. I, I also, I'm not really sure what the timetable is on this. And right. if that extends into July, there might not be an opportunity for them anyway. But considering the story, I can't see it. I could see them trading some of the other pieces, but not him. Yeah. The starting I pitchers, mean, that's going to be the, that's the real question. Breaking yeah, up the I mean, rotation. Lucas Giolito is pitching himself into a contender, I think. Mm -hmm. he's, no, he's not the Lucas Giolito that, you know, the year after he was the worst pitcher, became the best pitcher. He's not quite there, but he's getting close. It brings us, we didn't prepare for this, but pitching, here's another one of my theories, by the way. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. um, evaluating pitching. This year, it just seems to be wacky. It just, it seems like we don't know what we're doing. I'm wondering, I mean, we can talk a little bit about how we each look at pitching. Is this guy back, et cetera? Um, you know, Jose Barrios, is he finally back? But I'm wondering if pitching has always been this goofy, but we think we know more with the advanced stats, with StatCast, with Brooks Baseball, with, with everything else. I think, I wonder if we think we have a better handle on evaluating pitching, but we really don't. And because we think we do, it's more frustrating when Julio Teron goes out and shoves Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, I know that I mean, Spencer Strider is a bad example because he's been really unlucky the past seven days, but even seven weeks, seven starts. But even so, when, when a stud goes out there and gets his lunch handed to him, you know, we think we should have been able to, we think we should be able to predict every single outing. I think Twitter, someone, you know, someone predicted every outing on Twitter, right? Someone predicted yeah. every touch, someone predicted every touchdown, someone predicted, every, you know, Someone called, I called that, whatever, whatever yep. it was. Someone on Twitter called it. Yep. But I, I mean, I just wonder if we, if we think we know too much and if that's affecting our, I don't know, bias or just how or, or keeping an open mind as to what a potential outcome could be. We have so much data out there and so much, so many new lessons that comes from said data that, yeah, it gets a little bit overwhelming at times. And I think we've probably subconsciously conditioned ourselves to to assume we're always going to get it right. I know I, I, I mean, this, this has happened since all the way back. You and I both, since the beginning of the time we were in the biz, we'll always hear, we'll always get called out for, for the, the pitching picks we made that went wrong. Right. They seem a little bit louder now just because, yeah, we feel like we should have gotten that right. And yeah. And I, I, I think it also applies to real teams on the field. I think, there's more data for them as well. So they are also falling into that where they're kind of obsessing and 
mm-hmm. overvaluing certain things. And the thing that that I that strikes me that's affecting us is there's this pattern in baseball that well, you know what? I'm going to extract as much as I can from this one guy, even if it's over a very short period of time, because worst case scenario, he gets hurt, fades, it doesn't work out, hitters catch up to him. There's always going to be another guy that's my project that that I can bring through. It's almost like the Matt Blake thing with the Yankees, where, you know, like any reliever can come out of nowhere. They've been doing this now for three or four years, where just a reliever comes out of Clay Holmes came out of absolutely nowhere. Right. And then all of a sudden, Clay Holmes, uh, who's that? He's no good anymore. And now he's good again. It's just still good. He's still good. (laughs) But but he had a period of time where he was just, you couldn't use him at all. And and the Yankees couldn't trust him near the playoffs. Right. There's a mentality for that with teams where I think it's just get the most you can out of pitchers over a short period of time. If that's all you can do. Yeah. And it kind of feeds into what we're saying with, we don't know what's going to happen towards the end of the season. And we can take it to, you know, we, we don't know what's happening next year with some of these guys that maybe they get through this year, but you were telling, you know, people calling us out, I used to have a saying, your team, your call. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, I, this is my my recommendation, your team, your call. Now, as you know, we got TFS, we got prop bets, we got mm-hmm. we got downright gambling. Yep. So now I'm getting called out, you cost me 20 bucks. You can, it's like, well, it's your $20 bill, it's your call. I mean, mm-hmm. you read my recommendation, read my advice, read my analysis, but Still, it's your money, man. Don't, you know, make your own decision. So my my uh, way on that has always been, I was probably in it with you somewhere. You lost the 20 bucks on that guy with that pick that went wrong. It uh-huh. probably burned me too somewhere. Yeah. Like that doesn't matter for a lot of these people, but no, it just, no. It's just that's what it's come to. But um, it's no we, fun if that doesn't happen though. Oh no, it's fine. And, and I, 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 and, you know, you learn to separate the trolls from those that, want to engage in a positive manner pretty quickly mm-hmm. and I, I think i've learned more from engaging people that you know question a question something i write than i than i do in general i mean I, it opens my eyes you know what that that ranking does look a little bit weird i'll you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll i'll review it for the update so you, you can just tell when someone's being a jerk and when they're generally i don't i don't get why you ranked him there well, you know what? Good call. Cause I shouldn't have, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes, some, some, you know, some of my best discussions have come from that. I mean, you know, other, other than yours, Todd, I've got to give you credit for it. You'll, <laughs> you'll usually catch if there's a projection that's a little off, like JP France is getting a little bit too much of an innings projection. It makes me go and look and think deeply about those projections. I wrote an entire column based on that. Like that's, that, that was great. It generated a whole piece of content. Um, and I actually had a reader this week ask the question about, Bryce Miller against the White Sox and why do I like him? Why did the forecaster grades give him a plus start him? And I, I had to actually go in, break it down, find out why. And I'm like, yeah, it's right. And I told him, this is why I think it's right. Right. White Sox don't hit lefties. Well, Miller is interesting in general because he throws 70% fastballs. He can't get mm-hmm. away with that. Well, with the new schedule, you're not facing a lot of teams twice anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when it runs into trouble. And when you've got his control, you don't have 70% fastball. You have a fastball you can throw up and in, down and away, mm-hmm. you know, right off the plate. I mean, you have more than one fastball. So I'm not as down on Miller as some may be in that regard. And I think he will develop. I don't think he's the equivalent of these two guys, but the Mariners set a template for guys who are fastball reliant with control already with Logan Gilbert and then George Kirby the year after. It's three years in a row they've done this with players like this. And I rank him third on that list, but I think that speaks to the system. Right. It's just why you look at Brian Wu's numbers and say, eh. But then you look at the system and say, give him time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I'm at that point with Minnesota, I think. I think Minnesota's done enough to uh, uh, trust that they know what they do with pitching. Some 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 organizations force pitchers to throw what they think is the most useful pitches. Other organizations take a look at the arm and and, and figure out what to do with that particular arm. And that, there's there's pluses and minuses to both, I guess. But I prefer the the the, the staff that looks at the pitcher and and molds the pitcher. Uh, to his strengths. Yeah, that the I'd, I'd agree with you uh, on that with the Twins. I think 
the problem they've had is they have had some rough luck with pitching injuries over the past couple of years. I think if we had not seen a couple of the players lost at the times that they were, we probably as a group think more highly of the, the staff and the organization as a whole. You're I, right. Good point. I think, well, cause we're looking at it on a more granularly. I think, I think that will become apparent in a couple of years, but we have to, we have to look at it. We have to project Joe Ryan and, and uh, Bailey over right now. We don't, we, you know, once they be, make the playoffs, then become more mainstream. I think, I think we'll see it. Um, we were again. We were talking off air a little bit about um, Josiah Gray. He's shown signs of maybe taking the next step, but then he'll take a step back. There was a note I, I should look up uh, to credit the uh, the reporter on Twitter that he threw. I think it was like 20, 26 sweepers, eighteen for strikes after throwing like four all season. Um. And you kind of had the same reaction I did. It wasn't like, yes, it was like, huh, yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's the right reaction now. It's someone to maybe put eyeballs on next game just to just to get a look. Because these things happen all the time, and we only hear about the good. But in this, especially we're talking about in our ESPN game, sometimes you have to make a move before all the evidence is in place to warrant the move. Yeah, in, in Gray's case, it's just it's hard to it's hard to think positively about anybody on the Nationals roster in our game context. Granted, yeah. but he's an interesting young pitcher who my only real complaint over the past few years is just the workload question. And at least they are giving him a chance to shine. They're not really pitch capping him or skipping him in outings. That is a big plus. Mackenzie Gore's another one who's like this too. They're they're allowing them to really be themselves and pitch on a regular schedule. So I wonder whether this is the kind of growth that you get from that, that these pitchers are a little bit more confident, able to, to experiment with new things. Gore and uh, Gray and Gore to a similar extent. I think there could be something there. Will it happen this year? I don't know. Not for our game. I don't, will it happen this year? Maybe not. But no, maybe. I mean, I mean, you've got you've got Kyler McDaniel on your your house. I've got James Anderson in mind to tell us that their outfield is on the way. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about them the same way we're talking about Arizona pretty soon. Yep. And I think that gives Louis Garcia a chance. Maybe uh, C.J. Abrams can they show they deserve? Do they do they belong? Kybert Ruiz and the pitchers because they're going to have to go out and get pitching. I think, you know, they develop a couple guys, then they're going to have to go out and get pitching. And we could be talking about them as we're talking about Arizona, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the first place Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, I think sooner than later, I think we will be talking about the Nationals in that realm. It's Um, wild to think that. And maybe the Cincinnati Reds, too, since you went to the NL Central. Yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, we don't have we don't have Jeff here or or, or Buddy Clay. There's a lot of Reds fans in the industry. I think yep. they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be having Dog. some fun. <laughs> uh, I, I, there was someone that on Twitter that you know was kind of hard. You know, it was well, it was it was in a forum I read that was kind of hard on Jake uh, on Nick Lodolo. I think they're a little bit too hard. Uh, he he ran into a little bit of bad luck before he got hurt. But I'm still high on Lodolo. Having put eyeballs in Hunter Green the past couple of weeks, a lot better than I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously good, but the control has come quickly. Um, I don't know. I mean, talk a lot of pitching. When you're not watching the Yankees, are you like me and they just you want to see who the best? You just want to watch pitchers because that's where I am. I I'm very much like that, but that I mean that's what what comes from doing forecasters and daily notes that are so pitching oriented, and you got to hit on the pitching. Uh, yeah, the, the Reds are very interesting to watch. I'm with you. Green. I've been a big green fan for a while. The only question was, does he stay healthy enough year over year? So far, so good. Good to see the control. Lodolo is a very good pitcher. I, I, I have a hard time knocking Nick Lodolo other than maybe he's not a perennial Cy Young candidate down the road. And he's simply your number two. He's a very good potential number two starter. Andrew Rabbits look great so far in two starts. We'll see what he does against Houston the next time out. You know. Yeah, weren't we saying that about Aaron Nola when he first came up? Same about mm-hmm. Lodolo. So this, yes. I, I use I use Aaron Nola as an example for. I mean, 
for everybody, George Kirby. I mean, I use him like for everybody that he doesn't strike out enough batters. Well, neither did Aaron Nola. And look what he's, mm-hmm. well, maybe this isn't the best time to, to bring, to use Aaron Nola as a comp, but I, I think he'll be fine. But, uh, Dola has his down years from occasion, but he's he a very durable pitcher. He's a, yeah. he's a, a rarity nowadays. Yeah, I didn't, we, we were kind of all over the place, which is kind of what we, I normally do when I do these things. But um, doing our little pitching notes or bullpen notes, as of a couple, about a week ago, Felix Bautista had more strikeouts than George Kirby. Mm. That's, you know, that's just, I mean, it, you're not going to change your fantasy realm because of it, but that's just how much the Orioles use Bautista. It was yeah. just kind of crazy, and it does speak towards Kirby as well. As far you know, the control being so good, you think he'll? I think he'll develop more strikeouts as time. I think he has to. I think he will. I yeah. don't think he's ever, he's never going to be a strikeout king, but I do think that he is going to get some with growth. And yeah. some of some of what comes with that is adding innings. Yeah, just yeah. boosts the total itself. All right, so like I said, looking all over the place, it's not like we're following a script. We're, we're approaching the hour. Um, uh, is there anything that you want on your mind, anything you want to ask me, anything you want to talk about before we we, we call it a day and, 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 and check out Jeff's Facebook page to see what's going on in Hawaii? <laughs> I'm amazed we didn't dive more into that Reds offense. I don't know. How are you All right, feeling? well, let's, let's talk. All right, let's talk a little. Well, Let's talk Ellie De La Cruz and then the fact that by talking Ellie De La Cruz, we're sliding Matt McClain. We're sliding <laughs> several members of that infield. Like uh, the yeah. more I look at it, they've got an awful lot of talent coming. Ellie's a special one. I mean, he yeah. he's above and beyond almost in a way that only O'Neill Cruz never reached to. And every time I say O'Neill Cruz, I'm terrified that I'm going to tell people, oh no, Ellie De La Cruz is going to get hurt next. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent coming and, Christian Encarnacion Strand is probably the next one on the way. He could also be a very good player. McLean has been very good. I just wrote, uh, what was it? Since May 24th, I think he's he's 21st in fantasy points. Yeah, I, I did something similar. Selective endpoints, but I uh, a piece I got coming out, Todd Stakes, about the Reds and their offense, how De La Cruz is getting the yank, but Spencer Steer and Matt McLean are doing the heavy lifting. Yep. Didn't, ha- didn't hurt that they both hit a home run. Yesterday, while well, De La Cruz is 0 for 4, but De La Cruz, all right, he's striking out, but don't we know that? I mean, is if he gets sent down, it's not be, it's not to learn not how to strike out. Right. It, it's just it's part of it. I mean, that that's you have to accept it. I'm, you know, they're not asking my opinion, but I just you you let him learn at the major league level. I don't think he's going to learn any unless it becomes. He's pressing and he lacks confidence. I think you just let him grow at the major league level. I am. So, you know, me Yankee fan, I'm that way with Anthony Volpe and they are not the same prospect. I think that there are certain players, certain prospects, certain talents in your organization that yes, when you call them up, you have to be as patient as humanly possible. There th- there's things that they can do that would warrant demotions. And I'm not talking about doing any crazy stuff off the field or anything. I'm just saying, there are struggles that do show up. Volpe's approaching that. De La Cruz, you've got to be patient with him. This is, since I mentioned Cruz a minute ago, he's almost like the amplified version of O'Neill Cruz talent-wise. I mean, top shelf sprint speed, top shelf con- hard contact rates. All the metrics are fantastic. He could play multiple infield positions. It's just... Yeah, the I mean, sky's the limit. It's just that, you know, like for, from you and I, we write for, for a points league context, the strikeouts are going to be an issue and he's going to yeah. be streaky. You deal with it. No, I agree. And uh, Jay, I mentioned James Anderson, Rotowire prospect hound. He, uh, it was more of a body type, body size, but he, he said if, you know, if, if Ronald Acuna and Enel Cruz were put together, it would be Ellie De La Cruz. And I think that goes yeah. more just on body. I think there's something. Yeah. Acuna's yeah. polishedness with uh, O'Neill Cruz's non-polishedness is somewhere in between. And but, but put uh, the injuries aside for for, yeah, for the fantasy yeah, community. Right. Put the injuries to the side. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, it's that year we saw Acuna at the AFL. The thing I remember most was, I mean, he's a, you know he's a, obviously in perfect shape, but that V-neck back, he could mm-hmm. have a billboard. I mean, 
Rin Wemerswall, whatever the guy, he could, Acuna is such a small, it got lost. Those shoulders were just so wide. It was like, wow, this is impressive. And, you know, he's obviously uh, done it since then. But you mentioned, you mentioned McLean. Good solid player who I think is going to be underrated because of the other names, personalities around him. I'm glad you mentioned Steer. I love the fact that the Reds got creative and threw him into left field when De La Cruz got called up. They threw him in that game, that first game, I believe it was. They played him in left field that day. Love seeing that. Yeah, I do. well, considering he's on my floundering tout team, so do I. But uh, you know, where where is he going to play long term? Is defensively he has the less less flexibility than these other guys? You mentioned Strand, Christian Strand coming up. Um, Joey Votto probably won't be in the picture. Maybe not even this. I mean, every you know, I do playing time every week and knock off twenty more at bats, knock off twenty more at bats, and don't know where don't know where to land him. I bet he's still there. Um, I'm glad glad I kept Osvaldo Beto on with asking for his uh, index number for every day over the offseason. He he actually pitched yesterday. You see, yep. We, we knew he should have had it. Now I have it, I, or I can get it. Of course, I dropped him off with the projections, but uh, I knew there was a reason. Uh, but yeah, the red the reds the reds will be fun. Sure, you saw that uh, first pitch. Now, in the, the dates have been announced early first week, first weekend in uh, November. Have you uh, gotten your plane flight, your flight yet? Right, right after the World Series, <laughs> just the way I like it. I yeah. no, I do. I I really much. I, I enjoy the fact that it's right after the World right. Series instead of during it. it. It's a little more enjoyable to kind of put a bow on the season and evaluate stuff. So, yes, that's. It's the it's the hope. I'm doing my best. I haven't booked yet, but uh, I'm I'm here's that's the hope. <laughs> I've uh, I've looked at prices, but I haven't booked yet either. Mainly because I don't know what my other uh, well, similarly what your other what my other responsibilities will be. Yep. And if I you know, well, I'd be writing the football blurbs again for ESPN, which means I have to be at home. Blah blah blah. So I have not I have not yet um, I have not yet booked my uh, flight out there, but hopefully for since 2001, except for the year that wow. it didn't exist, Pujols rookie year was my first year. Well, the year wow. before Pujols rookie year, I sat in the stands in Scottsdale with Jason, and he hit a, I don't know how well you remember, but or can picture the field, he hit a ball over the trees in the left field berm. Wow. It was just silly. That was oh. Pujols, not Jason. Um, yeah. We, 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 <laughs> Yeah, but uh, kudos, Jason. Yeah, such we, power. There we your go. Hard hit rate. <laughs> there we go. But uh, it, it, we just kind of looked at each other. And we're like, whoa. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so 20th, all right. We're, that'd be the twenty third year. Nice. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people that've been there a couple years longer than I have, obviously. And uh, Rick Wilton, the founder, was recognized with the Lara Michaels Award. Yes, he this was past spring, yes. which uh, was made us all very. Uh, Happy to uh, be able to give that to Rick, and hopefully he'll be able to see him again and uh, see him in person. But anyway, um, all right, we do have a quick question. Luis Matos playing time the rest of the season? Uh, Uh, Good question. It is now, especially because it was only one game. But he was pinch hit for yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Started against uh, Montgomery, I believe. Got two or three plate appearances. And then Conforto came in and pinch hit. Yep. Maybe it was just that one game. I Welcome to the Giants. Yeah, so that's the thing with Matos. I, we need to see, Herman, we need to see what the pattern's going to be. At least, I don't know if he's fab as Sunday. We'll have a few more games. But is he a platoon bat, or which is the Giants, or mm-hmm. is he above that? Or I, But after that one game, he at least had to make note of it, you know, that they pinch hit Conforto. I don't know. So, um We'll yep. have to see, but that's, that's, it's, I mean, I, I, I think we're both in the same boat as Matos as I need a crystal ball, but I think I mean, everybody on the giants is a platoon guy. Yeah, I do too. They, but they, they emerge beyond it. They, they do play guys against their natural platoon side, but, and, and maybe they would with him, decent contact, decent speed. I don't think there's an awful lot more there puts the ball in the air too much for a guy who, in that part doesn't have elite contact metrics right but they they can use a player like that especially defensively that is a question for their outfield that might be his best benefit he's probably a better option defensively than their alternatives right and he's replacing Haniger, who was a right-handed bat mm-hmm. so there there are more than just platoon at bats available so 
Uh, yeah, but it's just something just people didn't notice that Conforto did come in and pitch hit for him uh, against a right-handed uh, relief pitcher. So we'll just have to let that one let that one play out. So anyway. <laughs> I just realized I can I can sing you off with a Louie Louie. Oh, baby. We'll but we play actually, against righties. No, 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 no. <laughs> we actually understand what you're saying in those the Louie Louie lyrics. Some people aren't allowed to play the radio, play the radio because they think they're bad words in those lyrics. But anyway, we can understand you. Um, uh, I don't think right. I understand me, so I'm glad you do. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so you said sing off. It's, uh, we're a little over an hour. I know we both got things to do, including talking to each other. Uh, so why we don't we go uh, for two hours more if we wish? Oh, we could. We, we could. What we should just do is when we call in during the week to, you know, rap about this or that, just record those and not even have to worry about getting together. Uh, although the you know, video, the audio portion may not be, uh, although I don't think any, well, no one needs to see me, but anyway. All right. Um, thank you, Mr. Mr. Cockroft for, uh, for taking an hour out of your busy or little hour and nine minutes out of your busy day. Uh, Always my pleasure. No, it's, I, I, know, you know, I won't go into, I know you like to, I know you like to talk and don't have as much chance to do it as you may, may wish. I will, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So we both remain employed and, uh, uh, and, and read between the lines. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back tomorrow with Clay Link for the Two Start podcast. And this time next week, uh, Jeff will be back, all, all nice and tanned, I assume, with a layer around his neck with his special industry guest. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>